Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen. I love that song. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. We're so excited to be back in the Exalted Christ series in the book of John. And uh, the reason that we are walking through uh, the exalted Christ is because the book of John reveals Jesus in a way different from all of the other gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, are, are called the synoptic gospels. They tell very similar stories, but there are stories in the book of John that are different from the other three Gospels that are not even there because the purpose of the book of John is actually to reveal Jesus in in an exalted and higher way. And here's what we believe. We believe that if we see him higher, we'll live higher. How many would say amen that when we see Jesus higher, we will live higher? And that's what our desire is. And by the way, Um, When we started this series, and we'll be on and off in the book of John series, we'll do like eight, six, seven, eight sermons, and then we'll do something else, and then we'll come back to it. So we're picking up actually in chapter eight, and when we started this series, we encouraged everyone to get this book, the book of John, and they were read before, now they're this cool cover, and um, I think I like this cover more than the other one, but here's why we are are encouraging you to do this. So I've kind of, this whole series has been birthed out of my time in my particular book, okay? And here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Get a book, read the Bible, but as you read the Bible, mark your Bible and let your Bible mark you. And what happens is, and I've, I've got so many Bibles that are all written all over, and they become like a treasure and a record of your journey of walking with God and learning from God. And my prayer is that everyone's Bible here who's hearing my voice right now, that your Bibles will be marked up and yellowed and highlighted because Jesus is really, really speaking to you. How many know Jesus really, really wants to speak to his people? So if you haven't gotten this yet, we want to encourage you to do that and kind of to... Just try it out. Now, in light of this very concept of the exalted Christ, I think it's worth revisiting an important issue uh, in regards to how to read the Bible and how to view God. And I say this from time to time, and I want to say it again today. Here's what I want everyone to be mindful of as we read the Word of God. First of all, good theology descends from the character of who God is, good theology always comes down, and then bad theology always ascends from us up to God. So listen to this. Look at me. I'll, I'll be the illustration. When it comes to thinking about God and the things of God, theology is an interesting word. It's broad and narrow. In a broad sense, theology is all things biblical, okay? But then in a narrow sense, theology is a specific study of God and his character, who 
God is, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so here's, this is important for you as you go to think about the problems of life, the issues of life, when you go to match what the Bible says with what's going on and how you figure out your problems, how you figure out what the solutions to the issues of your life are. Always remember, the best thinking, the best, the best understanding of who God is and what he does and how he does it has to begin from who he is, his exalted divine nature, down to us. Bad theology always starts from who we are. He's exalted and perfect and we are fallen. Everyone say, I'm fallen. I'm fallen. Yes, we are. We have a sinful nature. We have a, 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 a finite nature. We are limited in a variety of ways. And what man makes the mistake from time to time of doing is he tries to describe the meaning of life, the answers to life, who God is based on who he is. And that always ends up being wrong. And so we, the purpose of the, uh, thank you for one amen, but the purpose of the exalted Christ is so that we could get a, a better vision of who he is and then make our choices, our judgments, then take our steps as opposed to look at who we are. If all you have is you, you got problems. If all we have is man, we have problems, but we have more than man. We have the creator of the universe, and he is the king of glory. How many would say amen? Now, by the way, by the way, uh, um, we say that a divine creator created the universe. And someone will say, well, God hasn't proven himself. Well, here's what you and I have to understand, and this is what I mean by good and bad theology. Okay, so if you go to the average scientist, for example, it just came out that Stephen Hawkins, who's, who's since passed away, Stephen Hawkins declared that there is no God. And I'm like, says who? You're dead. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but how could you claim to have infinite knowledge if you're not infinite? You understand what I'm saying? You, you died trying to figure this out. And so here's what, here's what scientists do right now. What they say is, if you ask them, American Scientific Journal, et cetera, et cetera, you say, well, what is the, where did it all start? Who caused the Big Bang? They agree on the Big Bang. Who flipped the switch? Who lit the match? Who did it? Who started? Who ignited that combustion? And what they say is, well, it's something called dark matter. This is the truth. You can, go, you can Google right now, but don't. Stay off your phone and listen to the message. <laughs> you can Google dark matter, and there are reams and reams and reams and reams of material on it. The only thing is when you ask them, okay, is there any evidence of dark matter? No. Uh, um, has anyone discovered dark matter other than you decided that there's dark matter? Not really, but here's what they say. They say, we're getting close to discovering it. So here's what I say. I say the atheists and the scientists have just as much faith as we do, but our faith makes more sense because this world has design and purpose. And how many know we're not just a happenstance. We have design and purpose. And so we believe that God is the creator. But you see, man says what I can't see, I reject. That's bad theology. 
because man can think about all the things you and I can't see. But how many know God sees everything? He sees all things and knows all things. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And so it's right in line. Today's topic is actually about freedom. And uh, um, there are so many opinions about freedom. And everybody wants freedom. In fact, in this country, freedom is a really big deal. This, this country was founded on a desire for us to be free. Actually, it was religious freedom to start with at its core. But freedom is a big deal, and we have fought throughout the years for freedom. And even today, a lot of the issues that are going on today are all about freedom. The challenge is, is there, there are many different opinions about what it means to be free. And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at what the Bible says about what does it mean to be free. And uh, uh, um, here's the title of the message today. The title of the message today is Following Our Way to Freedom. Because in a few moments, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said and what the Bible says about real freedom. But before we do that, let me talk for a few moments about, generally speaking, three types of freedom. So this is kind of, you know, kind of universal to our culture. Number one, people believe that freedom means freedom from restraint. That means I want to be free to go where I want to, and I want to free to be who I want to be. That's the way people judge freedom. They say, if I'm free to go where I want to go, and if I'm free to be who I want to be, I'm free. Also, people want to be free from evil. And that means free from negative or harmful experiences. So you know how some people say, look, you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody. And so we're, most people, they take a position on these two issues, and that's the way they declare freedom, and they actually fight for the right to be free along these two, these two terms. Now, Jesus comes along, and Jesus says there's something known to, uh, such as spiritual freedom, and if you're not spiritually free, you're not free at all. Okay, so spiritual freedom is the ability to function the way God designed us. That's what real freedom is. It's to be who God really made you to be. That's what the Bible declares. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying something very powerful, very radical. He's saying, he's saying look, if you want to be free, you have to follow me. What we're about to read right now is Jesus declaring to people, and he's saying, listen, if you want to be free, you have to follow me. He said that thousands of years ago, and today, right here, Jesus has the audacity to say, if you really want to be free, you have to follow me. So let's get it straight. He's saying above every philosophy, every religion, every politician, every political bent, every whatever you want to call it, bent of being, bent of living, Jesus is saying, if you want to be free, you have to follow me. And so I want to invite everyone to let's take a deep look at what the Bible says here. And I want to read uh, um, uh, these passages here, two passages uh, one directly from the words of Christ in, in John chapter 8 where we picked up, and then one from 19 to show you when, when good uh, uh, theology comes down and then good theology goes back up. So look, John 8 beginning with verse 31 says this. 
To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, everyone, you will be free indeed. So leave this up. So here's what he's saying. So you're right, Israel. You guys were, were, were slaves of Pharaoh and Egypt, but you never followed their gods. And then you guys were slaves to Babylon. You went into captivity for 70 years, and you never really became Babylonian. And then now, during this time, you guys are slaves of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire has not swayed you. That's true, Jesus says. You have resisted the political forces the way people have been resisting political forces throughout age, the ages. But here's what Jesus asks, and here's what he asks all of us. But if you don't have victory over sin in your own heart can you really be free if you're not free in your heart can you really be free does it really matter if you can go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do if you're still a slave to sin and so what Jesus is declaring is, if you want to get victory over sin, and that's what really destroys us, that's what really wrecks our lives, that's what really ruins us, that's what really breaks us, that's the greatest enemy of man is sin and death. If you want to get victory over that, you have to follow me if you want to be free. And so I want to pray today for real freedom. Here's what David said. This is David taking it back up. So good theology comes down, then good theology should go back up. Watch this. David said, I will walk about in everyone freedom. Why? For I have sought out your precepts, or some translations, I have sought out your word. Jesus said it one way, David is saying another way, but they're saying the same thing. There's a way that we experience freedom. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? You can't be free without the truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Let's pray. Let's pray for freedom today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you because indeed, Lord, you're the way maker, you're the miracle worker. You're the light and the darkness. You're the promise. All of the things that we've just been celebrating are true. They've been true since the beginning of time, and they will be true throughout all of eternity. And so, Father, we thank you that you're the author of freedom and that you invite us to come and to follow so that we might be free. Bless this word. Bless our time. I pray for spiritual breakthrough today. I pray, I pray for spiritual release, breakthrough, freedom. I pray that shackles would be broken today in the name of Jesus. By your mighty power, do what we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So let's walk through this very quickly.
Let's look at what the Lord wants to show us. The first thing that Jesus says to us today is that freedom is for his followers. Freedom is for his followers. Look at what the Bible says. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. A disciple is an avid follower of Christ and his teachings. You see? So, so following uh, uh, a disciple of Christ doesn't mean that you come to church once a week, even though that's great and we're happy you're here. But we're talking about something deeper. We're talking a deep following of God. And here's what he says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, okay, then you're really my disciple. And that's why we're begging you all the time and encouraging you. Read the Bible every day, every day. Read your Bible. You know what the key to freedom is? The, the problem, so a lot of people say, look, I tried God. And, and, and even though I tried God, I didn't get free. Here's what the problem is. Weak following. Some people follow God culturally. Some people follow him kind of intellectually. This is deep. When he says, if you hold to my teachings, it means like this. Are you holding the Bible like this? Are you spending time with the Lord and getting the word of God deep in your heart? Jesus says, if you'll take the time to just hold on to my word and get it deep in, in your heart, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, the word of God is strong and you will not let it go. Here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is slowly you'll start walking in victory and then suddenly there'll be a visitation of power. Freedom is slowly and it's also suddenly and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're not a slave anymore. You're free because when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. And so let me tell you something. There's a reason why two people, one is an alcoholic and one gets set free and doesn't, doesn't even care about drinking anymore or a pothead and someone stops smoking pot or whatever it is, whatever ugly, malicious, self-destructing, internal, secret, uh, 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 belligerent, malicious, inside, things working to destroy us, whatever it is. Some people say God's not strong enough. He is strong enough. He's strong enough. But what you got to do is you got to take hold of him. And it's free. Just take hold of him. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, everyone say then. Amen. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you know what Jesus is saying to somebody today? He's saying, grab hold of me, why don't you? Grab hold of me. There's, there are marriages here that need to grab hold of God. Okay? There are people with emotional struggles and issues. What you need to do is grab hold of Jesus. Get a hold of his word. Get a hold of his promise. And he will set you free. That's what he promises. He's the king of glory. If he rose from the dead in power, he can break the back of whatever you're facing. He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. Absolutely, he can. Now, here's what this teaches us very quickly. What it teaches us is that freedom requires the right master. And people don't like that. They don't like to hear, how could you be free and have a master? But freedom requires the right master. Here's a quick illustration 
for this. Let's give the, the illustration of someone getting their driver's license. How many remember when you got your driver's license, right? Back in the day when they used to wind cars like this for me. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so you get your driver's license. And when you get your driver's license, here's what it means. It means that you are now free to drive. If you have a car, you can get in your car and drive. You can go wherever you want to go, whatever. You are legal. You have the right to do that, and people won't stop you as long as you can pay for the gas. Drive across the country if you want. Now, just imagine for a second that there were no streetlights, no one-way or two-way signs, okay? No stop signs, no, no kind of laws whatsoever for driving. How many know, if everybody did whatever they want to do, how many know, we will have madness. There has to be an authority. All freedom requires an authority. Otherwise, we are self-destructive with no authority. You see, somebody has to say, it's somebody else's turn to go now. Red light means stop. Because if both people go, you have an accident. You know, when I was in Indonesia... In the town that we were in, in um, I can't remember the name. Uh, uh, they, it was like 30, 30 little mini bikes, uh, kind of motorbikes to every car. It was crazy. It was like so many uh, mini bikes. And it was crazy because these people, uh, on one mini bike, two wheels, there was like a whole family on there. <laughs> and they were like having lunch and they doing their makeup, like everything. You know, it's like a whole... It's like, it looked like a living room. There were so many people just on one bike. And uh, one of the crazy things about them, about driving, it would, it would kind of stress me out, you know, is that every once in a while when it would get jammed up and it, it, the, their part, their traffic jams are just, imagine all of these bikes on this stage all the way back to here and people are like waiting, waiting and, and stepping off and like four people having to wait and jump off until it starts getting, then they all jump on and then take off and... And so part of what they would do is, once in a while, you see someone say, you know, I don't want to wait. And they would drive right up on the sidewalk. And, and I was like, somebody's going to get taken out. Imagine downtown Chicago, people say, hey, I'm free to drive. I've got my license. I'm going to drive on the sidewalk. Look, this is basic common sense. Here's what Jesus is declaring. Jesus is declaring in all of the universe, he is the only one worthy for you and I to call Savior, Master, and King. And if you will follow him, he's kind enough, loving enough, wise enough, powerful enough to keep you free, to set you free, and to keep you free. He came to save us, not to hurt us. He came to bless us, not to harm us. How many believe that's what Jesus came to do in all of our lives, all of our families, all of our future? But see, freedom requires a master. Freedom requires a master. And he says, I am the master. And look, here's very quickly. Look at what, uh, what John 15 says. And then we'll be moving on from this. But here's what Jesus said in another place. He said, remain or abide. Same word, one is older than the other. I put them both. Remain or abide in me as I also remain and abide in you. Do you know when you, be, 
When you're born again, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you know that the Spirit of God comes to abide in you? See, the reason we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus is because we already have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So here's what he says. He says, remain, abide in me as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Freedom is for his followers because as we remain in him, Christ in us is the one who makes us fruitful and productive, and we actually live out well, our destiny. God has a plan. You are a child of destiny. You were created by the king of the universe, not just because. You're not a just because. You're not a mistake. You're not a happenstance. He created you. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. And he came to this world, and he died, and he rose from the dead in power so that you might experience freedom and then the abundant life that he's promised but you must remain in him and he says if you take hold of me then I will set you free and so this is deep this is deep Jesus sits upon his throne the Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace Jesus invites all of us come I open the way for you to come to me if you need mercy, I'll give you mercy. If you need grace, I'll give you grace. I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. But come and remain in me. So the first thing that the Bible is teaching us, and this is personal. This is personal and it's powerful. Here's the second thing that he's saying. He's saying freedom is from inside out and not outside in. It says, to the Jews who have believed him, these are the people who believed him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, hold to my teaching where? On the inside. Then, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's an inside-out reality. Most of our culture is, spends their energy fighting an outside-in reality, but it's the wrong fight. It's the wrong battle. Look at what Socrates said about this particular issue. He said, how can you call a man free when his pleasures rule over him? You see, if you're not free on the inside, if you're a, a, a slave to anger, bitterness, hurt, pain, uh, 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 money, sex, power, whatever it is, if you're a slave to those things, you know, it, it's like I noticed I, I played uh, a golf at a, somebody invited me to some golf event yesterday, and I played, and I could tell most of the guys in the uh, event, these were pretty well-to-do guys, and it just marveled. I was just blown away by the fact that these are smart, blessed, all kinds of material things outwardly, have everything. And you know, they're sitting there smoking and 10 o'clock knocking down Bloody Marys. And I was like, these dudes are going to be lit up in like 15 minutes. <laughs> but let me ask you something. How could you be super educated and keep smoking the, the cancer sticks? It's like I was walking by a hospital the other day. By the way, pastors can say that. You know, it's like... We're like parents. We can say that's not good for you. 
What do you mean I'm free? Go ahead and smoke cigarettes if you want. See where it gets you. That's the point. So someone walks, works in a hospital, sees the, the, the worst things that something like a cigarette can do, and yet they come out and they smoke. I saw someone the other day, they had the, the scrubs on. So they have the scrubs on, they come out and they're smoking. And so why, and why, why do you have to come outside to smoke? Why does that control you? Here's why. It's because if you're not free on the inside, you're not free. But whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. See, this is when we start meddling with stuff. Because people don't like to hear that, but the truth is, is if you're not free in the inside, in your heart, you're just not free. Now, here's what the world declares as freedom. Very, very, well, let me just read this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus' mission literally was to break the yoke of slavery on the inside of every person. We focus on the outside. Look at how we focus on freedom, especially, let's say, in our country. We, we talk about financial freedom and their programs for financial freedom and legal freedom, freedom of the press. Gender freedom now is like a big deal. Freedom of assembly, racial freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, political freedom, freedom on the outside, freedom on the outside, freedom on the outside. And the bottom line is it doesn't matter how much of this you have. If you're not free in your heart, you're simply not free. You can have all of these freedoms and still be miserable in your, in your house. Sit at your ki kitchen table or in the living room and still be miserable and brokenhearted even though you have all of these things. And you know why? It's because outside in just doesn't work. It doesn't work, guys. Look, let me, let me put it to you a different way. Here is the outside in freedom. Okay, outside in is, look, I want to do whatever I want to do, and I just don't want people to bother me. I want to be free from evil, and I want to be free from being uh, restrained in any way. You know, I want my own will. And here's what that might produce. It might produce something called autonomy. Autonomy means that you are free and in charge of your life, okay, personally. But personal autonomy does not equal to personal freedom. That's why the superstars of this world, the giants of this world, are falling. They're dropping like flies. Why are they dropping like flies? It's because in their autonomy, they're actually still bound by a spiritual slavery. Slavery to sin. Bill Cosby going to prison? America's dad? You know why? Because you can look free and you can sound free. You can talk free. You know, you can act free and you can have everything that looks like you're free. But only the sun can truly set you free. <laughs> Come on, let's praise God. It's right. Hallelujah. See, but what God does when you come to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, he gives you a freedom. He starts to launch you out so that you could do his will. 
and then even the evil. See, this is freedom from evil on the outside, but this is freedom from evil on the inside and the outside. You see? And then you're free from the restraints of the things of this world so that you look at throughout history, even people who've been oppressed by, by governments and whatever, they still, they were still free in their hearts. And think about our nation. Think about the civil rights movement. I'm such a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Dr. King. I've read his speeches and his autobiography. And can I tell you, there were so many people who were telling him, fight back like the world fights back. By any means necessary and, and different philosophies, you know, take up guns, take up arms. And he says, no, I'm going to walk the pathway of Christ. And as we walk the pathway of Christ, they'll never be able to hate us enough. Love is stronger than hate. Love is more powerful. And Christ wants the victory hallelujah Christ won the victory because Dr. King said no I know what real freedom is freedom is inside and outside you see you start here and then you end up changing the world you end up changing the world when you really get free on the inside. That's what God wants us to do. He wants, to be, he wants us to be free on the inside. But remember, only Jesus can reach down deep enough. Whatever you're facing today, just know this. Only Jesus can reach down deep enough and address the deep issues of your heart and mind. Which brings me to the close. If the musicians could come. Here's the last thing that Jesus says. And he declares this, Jesus is coming strong today. Jesus says, freedom comes from his power and his power alone. Okay? He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. When you and I are born again, we are born into the family of God. We become children of God. To them that believe this is our verse for this church, he gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. We become because Jesus invites us in. And when you become and you start to really belong to the family of God, then the sun starts to work. And it says, and in the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's what it means. It means that ultimately, brothers and sisters, we need a combination of truth and person encounter with Jesus. Ultimately, it's not just truth that you have in your head. You'll never be able to educate your way out of a deep, deep problem. You see, even if there's some truth in it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But he's the person. He's the son. And here's what he's saying. He's saying power, power to set you free only comes from me. The son can set you free. The son can break the, the problem in your marriage. 
The son can break the problem in your heart. What you and I need today is a, an encounter with the, with the son, the king of glory. Jesus, he still meets people with his truth and his power. With his person, he still comes personally and he meets us. We need the son to set us free. We need the son to set us free. I was in, um, I was actually in Minneapolis this past week. And, uh. I was sharing with the kids, look, God can't, God, and I can't, God won't, most likely, if you have trauma in your life, God won't erase the fact that something happened to you. It's kind of not the way he does it. He doesn't erase it like you, you have amnesia and you don't remember it anymore. I mean, he could do that, but that's typically not the way he does it. Here's what he does. What God does is he takes a problem that is alive, that it beats in your heart, that you live over and over and over again. And what he does is he deflates it. He makes it flat. It goes from being 3D inside of you to just a line in your story. How many know God is able to deflate what happened to you so that it doesn't sting anymore? It doesn't control you. It's not alive anymore. It was there. It's part of your story. But the king of glory, he can flatten that thing so it has no impact on you any longer. That's the way it happened. Joseph, they said, Joseph, how did you deal with your brother selling you into slavery? He said, God took this sting out. He caused me to forget. It's almost like if it never happened, I know it happened, but God took the pain away. He made it flat. It's just a line in my story. That's the way it happens. That's the way there was a man in, uh, in the, uh, the stories of the gospel where Jesus gets off the shore. And when he gets off the shore, he comes to a cemetery. And there was a guy full of the devil. And no one could control him. They would put chains on him. And he would break the chains. He lived like a wild man, like a maniac. We have some ex-wild men right in this room. But you know what happened? The son walked on the shore. And he said, Satan, get out of my son right now and he rebuked him right out of him and he put him in his right mind he still speaks powerfully and says devil get out of my son get out of my daughter some of us need Jesus to wake up in the boat and say I speak peace to this storm he still speaks peace to the storm because whom the sun sets free is free indeed and let me give you a three, can I give you a three-minute history and then we're going to pray? Three minutes real quickly. So I have a book in my library called uh, How Christianity Changed the World. Just to kind of go full circle on freedom and political impact, etc., etc. It's actually one of the best kind of documented uh, books that I have. And it's all about all of these different facets of history and society and culture that have been impacted by Christianity. One of the chapters, just to kind of coincide, it's the irony of it. You'll see, I'm going to read a quote in a second. Many people in the Me Too movement hate Christianity. Meanwhile, from the very beginning, Jesus has always been fighting for women's rights. He's always been elevating women. I want to just give you a couple of quick examples, and then we're going to pray for ourselves. So in China, for thousands of years, girls uh, at the age of five had their feet bound in order to force them to walk tiptoe and sway seductively. So this was part of the culture. 
And what they would do is they would imagine a, one of our babies back there, five years old. They would bind with, with strong cloth. They would bind the girl's foot like this because it was like it was unappealing for them to have for their feet to grow. And so look, it says, in spite of the long-standing practice of foot binding, it was Christianity's influence that eventually led the Chinese government to outlaw this dehumanizing practice in 1912. Had it uh, not been for the presence of Christianity, Chinese girls today might still have their feet bound and deformed. As in many other instances, the freedom and dignity that women enjoy in much of today's world is largely the result of the valiant effort, efforts of Christians who little by little made life in a falling, fallen world more humane. So listen, there was one picture, ladies, that was so... The, the deformity was so nasty. I was like, if I put that picture on, people are going to walk out. The service is over. Okay? So Christians went to China, and when they saw what they were doing, that to, doing to the little girls, they said, you can't do that to the little girls. Those are children of God. We will not. We, we stand against it, and they fought, and they prayed, and they fought, and then they outlawed it. But look, here's a, a couple more. And by the way, get the book. I challenge you to get the book. You're going to be blown away by all of this historical documentation. It's incredible. But look, Christianity's influence on women's rights, okay? Women's voting rights in America were impact by, impacted by Christianity, Pastor Jake goes, is, uh, is attending right now University of Chicago. One of his classes, they put out a book called The Republic, which I'm actually reading right now. And in the, this is a secular book. They talk about the fact that in the 1800s, one of the most powerful uh, movements in our country was something called the women's, uh, Christian women's suffrage movement. And they fought for all of these rights for women and they won. God used them and they won. And part of the reason that women are voting today, it was started by the Christians saying Christ raises everyone. Everyone is the same. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. They're all God's children and they fought and they fought and they won right here in this country. Listen, listen. The abolishment of polygamy, and that's the right way to say it. We will get into that word another day. That means when a man has, uh, has more than one wife. In Western civiliza civilization, who fought against that? It was the Christians. Okay, watch this one. Outlaw of the burning of widows in India, Scandinavia, and New Zealand. Here's what, what many cultures say and, and religions. Okay? Some religions say this. If the husband is happy then the wife should be happy. If the husband is sad, then the wife should be sad. If the husband is dead, then the wife should be dead. So when the husband dies, they burn the widow. And you guys have seen it on the news. You know that that's true. Okay, so they burned the widow. Who fought against the burning of widows? Who stood against that? It was the church of Jesus Christ that says it cannot be, it cannot be, it cannot be over and over and over again. The, edge, the eradication of child brides in many societies. When the Roman culture, when Jesus was walking on the earth, they would give little girls away. Christianity resisted it from, from start to finish. People do not realize how great of an impact Christianity has had on this civilization. Let me just read this, and then we're going to pray. As a result of Jesus Christ and his teachings, 
Women in much of the world today, especially in the West, enjoy more privileges and rights than at any other time in history. It takes only a cursory trip to an Arab nation or to a third world country to see how little freedom women in countries uh, have in countries where Christianity has little or no presence. Today, radical feminists, many of whom express a strong hatred for Christianity, seem not to recognize that had it not been for Jesus Christ's influence on his followers, women would likely have no more freedom in the West than the Islamic women have today in the Middle East. Freedom indeed has its ironies. It allows its beneficiaries to deny and despise the source of their freedom. In this instance, Jesus Christ's salutary influence in the life of women. Now, I know everybody is scared to clap because they don't want to, Me Too movement, I don't want to say anything. You know. Listen, if people follow Jesus, there would be no Me Too movement. Because Jesus would never stand for that. Jesus would honor the, and value. Listen, when Jesus rose from the dead, women spoke to him first. Women followed him. Women were with his entourage. That went against everything of the culture of that time. The woman at the well, when he spoke to her, that went, that went against everything. But you know, Jesus was the king of glory. Jesus was the right master. And he always is. He's the right master. He's the one who can set us free. Listen to me. Jesus came to set us free. And I don't want to leave the building today without praying for freedom. If the, if the musicians could come. Listen, there are marriages here. You need the touch of God. There are emotions here. They need the touch of God. A past, the touch of God. You've been, you, you, you've been through it. You're going through it. Maybe one of your children is away from the Lord. You need the touch of God. The son is able to step in and, sets, and, and set your child free. What's awesome is Jesus invites us to come and he says, look, come and make me your master and whom the son sets free is free indeed. So if you're here today and you need Jesus to become your master, everyone close their eyes for a second. We're going to pray. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you have Christ in you, the hope of glory? Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. I gave my heart to the Lord on a baseball field. There comes a moment in time when Jesus knocks on the door of your heart and he says, I love you. I died for you. I want to help you. I want to live with you forever and ever. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I won't reject you. I will help you. I already know your weakness. I already know your past. And I paid the price to wash your past clean. Will you open up your heart and start a relationship with me? If you're here today and Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart the way he did on my heart and everybody here on this platform, but today is the day he's knocking at the door of your heart. In the privacy of this moment, you want to open your heart and let him in and say, come be my master and my friend, my Lord and Savior. Is that, if that's you, would you lift your hand right now and say, pastor, would you pray for me? I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Lift it nice and high. Thank you. Thank you. 
you. Hands all going up. Raise them nice and high so that I can see. Hands are going up all over the building. Would you just a few moments raise your hands nice and high. This is the Spirit of Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay, you've got your hands up. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and put that down. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you to the front while I'm calling other people to the front. And then we're going to pray together at this altar. So in a moment, hopefully someone got a box to you. Just come with your box. But I want not just them. I want everyone that needs a touch from God. You can be serving God, but there's an, a measure of freedom that you need. If today you need a touch, you need an encounter with the person and power, the truth of Jesus, could you stand to your feet as we begin to sing and then start making your way to the front? If We're going to pray together. We're going to pray for freedom all over the building. But come, come make your way to the altar. And if you got that box, please come to the altar. We'll talk to you in a minute. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus.
place in every storm right now in the name of Jesus. Declare your power over every demonic power in the name of Jesus. God, declare your lordship, oh God, in every situation and circumstance. Heal marriages, heal hearts, heal emotions in the name of Jesus. next to you. We're going to do two things as we go to dismiss. First of all, everyone who received the box, when you become a Christian, Jesus knocks at the door of your heart. You open the door and you invite him in to be Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in that prayer so that you know, that you know, that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that today was the day that you invited Jesus in. He's been waiting all your life, but today was the day that you invited Jesus in. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together twice. We're going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me, and everyone will just do this together because we're the family of God. Everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day that we have been reminded that you came to this earth and you lived a perfect life. You were the Son of God. You emptied yourself of heaven. You took on the form of man. You became just like us. And you went to the cross to die for our sin, for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Cleanse my heart today of all the guilt and the shame. I open up my heart to you, and I invite you in. Be the king of my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior, my Master, and my friend. Thank you for receiving me even as I receive you. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God right now for all of those that accepted Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Congratulations to everyone who just accepted Jesus. The Bible says that heaven right now, all the angels are shouting and rejoicing over the decision that you made. You are a child of God. and take a moment, fill out that card. We want to talk to you. We want to encourage you to get baptized. We want to talk to you for a few minutes. There'll be some leaders to talk to you in a minute. But come on, take hands one more time. And as we pray a prayer of dismissal, Father, thank you for everyone that's come today. 
Thank you, Lord, that the Son is able to declare freedom in families, in minds, in hearts, in situations, in circumstances. And Lord, we believe you have spoken your freedom. The slowly and the suddenly are happening right here and right now. And God, I pray that you would release your people to be like those that we read about, oh God. That you would release them to be agents of freedom wherever they go. Let them bring the light of the gospel. Let them bring the love of Jesus wherever they go. Make them mighty agents of freedom and glory. God, bless them and make them a mighty blessing as they go today. We thank you for how you're going to use us. This city's going to be changed by your glory and power through your people, through these people. We celebrate it and we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's clap for it one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Greet one another.